Hello and welcome to another episode of This Is HCD. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a human-centred design practitioner based in Dublin City, Ireland. Now I recently attended the excellent Pixel Pioneers conference in Belfast and it was a really enjoyable conference and even managed to catch up with some of the This Is HCD friends whilst I was there, John Hicks and also Jerry McGovern bonus. So one of the most interesting talks of the day was by someone that many of you may already know and that's Brendan Dawes. Now Brendan is and has been an inspirational figure for many for a long time, myself included. Now his work is at the intersection of people, technology and objects. Now what interests me the most about Brendan's work is his mix of analog and digital and that's what we cover in this episode. So what have we lost through digitization and how can we retain that magic? We also cover Brennan's own internal dialogue around how he describes his work and what he does and also how lots of his work is generated through the belief of sharing everything and how this belief itself led him to working with Airbnb and ultimately the Sundance Festival in the US. Now Brennan is truly a gentleman of design and someone I thoroughly love listening to speak. So let's get straight to it. Brendan Dawes, a very warm welcome to the This Is HCD podcast. Thank you. It's a, a pleasure to join you. Delighted to have you. We're at Pixel Pioneers in Belfast today, a conference that uh, has been going for two years in the city, and it was a fantastic day. So let's kick off and tell me a little bit about what you do and probably how you describe what you do. Well, I always have a problem describing what I do because I think really, you know, I'm a designer, but no one comes to me to design things. People come to me for art-based work. Yeah. So I am an artist, but that word is so loaded. And because of, you know, I have this constant imposter syndrome, as some people would call it. You know, I, I have trouble dealing with that word. But it is nearer to, to what I do because no one comes to me and says, could you design a logo or something <laughs> like that or a brochure? So uh, I have to, I'm learning to embrace it, I think. But yeah. I think. You know, uh, the core is interaction design, I guess, in, in yeah. its widest possible sense. We were chatting a little bit about that earlier, and you, you mentioned, mm. you know, even your mother doesn't, yeah, yeah. doesn't know what yeah, you're doing. My mum is great, and um, she did come to, I had a solo exhibition, and, and she, all my work was up in, in several rooms, and, and she loved it. But she told the hairdresser I invented Google Maps. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Which, something. Uh, I said, yeah, that's close enough. That's close yeah, enough, yeah, ma'am. Yeah, Thanks yeah, very yeah. much for that. Um, so, like, you're saying you, you've got a, a little bit of a hang-up about artist. What do you think is causing that hang-up? Well, I think it's, when you say you're an artist, it means, you know, you make art. And art is, there's a kind of brevity to art, I think. We were chatting earlier, weren't we, about the difference of art and design. And, and, and for me, art is very much about leaving you with questions. And I'm definitely more into that. I'm not someone who provides answers, yeah. uh, and which I think design is largely about. And I think I've also, I've not come up in that world. Hmm. You know, I went to secondary school and then got a job. I didn't go to any kind of Royal College of Art or didn't hang out with other artists. Or, so maybe that's where the anxiety comes from, I think. Yeah. And I have friends who, you know, are artists and, and they're quite serious as well. Hmm. And I'm not, I'm serious about my work. But as an individual, I can't be that serious person where, hmm. you know, I don't wear a scarf indoors. That's, that seems <laughs> to be the, the main thing for an artist, wear a scarf indoors. But um, I just can't embrace 
that like that to be that serious person. Yeah. And and it's you know what? It's for other people to judge yeah. whether it is art or not. It's a lot of the work that you showed in your in your talk today was like experiential design. Mm. So the stuff that yeah. um, you showed about uh, was the LEDs and the yeah. Arduino. Tell us a little bit about that. The Price Waterhouse yeah. it was in London, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, Price Waterhouse came to me and they were developing this data lab in the London HQ, huge building, and they were having this data lab where the clients would pay to spend a day in this data lab and PwC explore their data mm. with them and stuff, that kind of thing. And it was all filled with the latest technology, big touch screen and all this kind of stuff, VR, AR, blah, blah, blah. And they had a wall that was empty Hmm. with nothing. There were some TVs on it, but they said, they came to me and said, could you design a 10 meter long wallpaper with some like, you know, data-y graphics on? Okay. Uh, Yeah. And, and so I went down to see them and, uh, and this was direct from my website, you know? So it's always flattering when people get in touch. And so I went down to see them. And I got the brief and then I I came away and I thought, you know what, we could do... The problem with doing that kind of work is as soon as you do it, it's out of date. Hmm. And, you know, it's kind of dead. Uh, It is literally just wallpaper. Yeah. So I said, look, I can do that, but why don't we do something else on top originally? And I said, maybe we could, like, imagine the wall is filled with cubes that are all got LEDs in hmm. and it's all controlled by real-time data from London. And, but they're covered in fabric because what I noticed when I visited your place, everything was hard screens or the data was trapped behind glass. Yeah, it was pristine. Yeah, it was pristine. There was no texture. I said, let me create something that had texture that was totally not that. Hmm. And I did a proposal and did a few renders and they really bought into it, so much so that in the end they said, we don't need the graphic anymore, let's yeah. just have the, the cubes. And then, of course, it's, okay, well, how do I, how do I, you know, how do, you I, do this? I, I played with LEDs a little bit, but on, this was like 220 cubes that were custom fabricated, each one had four LEDs in, yeah. you know, making the circuitry for that, and, you know, it, it was obviously, when you scale up, there's a whole raft of complication and also it has to work every day hmm. uh, it has to have a control system where they can switch visualizations and feeds so, as well yeah and different feeds and and then i collaborated with uh, kate egan who is head of textiles in practice at manchester metropolitan university because i had this idea of fabric and was like i don't know how to cover things in fabric how do we do this <laughs> luckily i had a friend who did yeah so it was a good great collaboration with kate and and yeah and we I think we did it over, I think it was about three months we had. Yeah. Sometimes my projects are like a month. But that was about three months. And yeah, there was a lot of learnings. Um, but we, we pulled it off in the end, yeah. Yeah, in many ways, it's like you are a craftsperson with the dig- digital medium. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm trying, yeah. Yeah, and I definitely felt that when you were talking about, you know, 3D modeling and 3D yeah. printing, the, the cubes. Yeah. And you were saying it took 12 hours for yeah. each cube yeah. and stuff. And we're going to put a link to this in, in yeah, the show yeah. notes because it's we're probably not doing it justice. It's it's extremely visual. And um, what was it? The, the feeds were coming through and you get the... Yeah, so there was three or four different feeds. One was Twitter. So anyone tweeting about London created this cascade of tweets. Yeah. And then there was PwC tweets were coloured a different their corporate colour. The one they really love is... I did like this sine wave algorithm that was tied to how well the tube lines were running. So mm. if the tube line was running 
well, it would be really wavy. And then if it, the tube line was basically not running, it was just like, it flatlined. So you could see by looking at this that the central line is not running or the northern line is, you know, whatever. They really loved that one. And then there was the weather, which, so I, I tapped into the weather for that building mm-hmm. as near as it can be. And it creates clouds and the clouds are colored by the temperature. Yeah. But they're also the speed of the clouds is governed by the wind speed yeah. of that location. And then I had some random patterns as well. So they just, the idea is, you know, it, I'm thinking about the context of it. You've got a client coming into the room. You can have this thing on and, you know, it's a conversation piece. It's like, wow. So straight away the client might go, I didn't even know data could Could look like that or do this. So, you know, straight away you're trying to get them into a different headspace. Everyone's seen touchscreens or whatever. And, you know, those by themselves are impressive because it's like room size. But my piece I wanted to, I called it Carefully Everywhere Descending, which is inspired by an E.E. Cummings poem. And in that poem, he describes snow as carefully everywhere descending. And I thought data is kind of like that because it it yeah. falls around us, but we can pick it up and, and do things Absolutely. with it. The easy option would have been to put in 20 Sony plasma yeah, exactly, TV screens yeah. on the wall. Yeah. And what I really liked about that was, was the risk that was associated oh, with it. Well, I'll tell not, you. Not, not the yeah. risk but in terms of a bad thing, but just yeah. in terms of like... It's become easy just to take the you yes, know, of course, absolutely, and and yeah. to take that uh, to a different level and yeah. bring that tactility back into design yeah. is something that as designers we need to do a lot more of. You yeah. know, we need to push the boundaries. And and when I, when I saw that, I was like, actually, that's beautiful because the fabric that let overlay the yeah. LEDs created this kind of muted yeah. effect. And I guess you could probably speak a little bit more about the context. I yeah, know, I know yeah. you spoke about the, the handle within the room. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about how you came to that decision about the... Well, yeah, it was, it was just mainly because when they showed me the plans, because this room was still being built at the time, as, you know, as, as I mentioned, it was very hard surfaces. Technologies, digital technology especially, is always seen as a very hard thing from a, an aesthetic point of view. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be like that. And if you create something tactile, people might interact with it more or, or they look at it in a different way. And my whole purpose was to get people into this room and go, look, data can look like this. You know, it doesn't have to be behind glass. Yeah. So that was all born out of what they had already designed. The context of the room yeah. was inspiring me to go, well, I'm going to flip it and do this. Absolutely. Um, even though at the time... I had no idea how to make 220 cubes. I, you know, I had no idea how to make the circuits. That I mean, everything about that job as well. Nothing is off the shelf. Those cubes are made especially for me. Uh, the circuits were made, you know. So the, the wiring, I built the software that drives it. You know, it's yeah. the only thing that's normal is you know, it's a Mac Mini that drives it. And one of the big learnings for me was when you're rigging something like that, you need to get experts in because on this one, I didn't. Mm. I thought, well, I'm putting some cubes on the wall. How hard can it be? (laughs) And I tested out, you know, putting cubes on a, we had a plastered wall that we tried and it all worked. And then we get, so I have all these (laughs) fixings made for plastered walls and I get down there and this was like, you know, we were doing it after hours. So everyone had gone home and started right, I'll put the first cube on the wall and it just, the drill went straight through the wall and just left a massive hole. 
And it's now, I think, about half seven at night. Oh my right? god! And we've got to we've got to crack on. You know, we can't like go. We'll come back next week. Yeah, because this room was being used at the time. We, you know, it already opened. It was a functional space. It was a functional space. That's yeah. why we were doing it at night. And so we then was like, I was like, oh my god! And then I was like, right, screw fix. Is there a screw fix open? And there was a screw fix open at half ten at night. Really? Half 10. So we jumped in a cab because we trained it down there. Yeah. Jumped in a cab, and we just said, "Right, I made a decision. Let's go." So this cab driver, and, and you know, I don't look like a builder. Kate doesn't look like a builder, and the taxi driver's going, "Can I just ask why are you going to screw fix at this time of night? Because you, you don't look like construction workers." I said, "No, we're not, and that's part of the problem." So we managed to get these fixings, and I bought another drill, and right. and went back, and we ended up. We just needed to screw directly into the wall, and it, it was. I had a laser level and everything. I wasn't yeah. that bad, yeah. so everything was laser levels. But and then it that was it. It works. But I had to do like four hundred and forty holes. You know, it was. It was a lot of and work. I, and it was in July. The air conditioning goes off in the, at night to save money. Right. We were just drenched. You drenched. You sweat. So these are the things that you don't think of when you're designing your thing in your studio. Yeah. You don't think, I'm going to be stood on top of a giant <laughs> fridge because it's where all the drinks were, drilling holes. In. <laughs> and I've since done, a, I did uh, recently, I did a, a big LED thing at Farm Air Show. Got a rigging company in because was, these yeah. things are made of steel that are designed. Absolutely. And you can't mess about with, with that. So, and that was a world of difference. Inclu- it was amazing. Included in the, in the, yeah, included in the, the team was amazing. And, you know, yeah. So, a lot of, you always, I always try and, you know, you always end up learning with these things. Yeah. You? And you had another fantastic piece, the happiness yeah. box, was it? Machine. Happy, yeah. Happiness yeah. machine. That went um, on to be the Airbnb thing. Yeah. Tell us about that. Where, where did that come from? And well, it was born out of, um, the internet and how people were being horrible. Well, they still are being horrible to each other, (laughs) generally. It can be an amazing place, of course, but the happiness machine was born out of, like, oh, you know what? The other people on that, the other end of that handle, they're human beings, Mm. you know, that you're slagging off. Yeah. So maybe I could make something that really hammers home that they are people. Yeah. So how do you describe it so we can... Well, so, it, so it's a machine that's connected to the internet and when you press a button, it's a very simple machine, has a button on it, you press the button and a receipt-sized piece of paper comes out and it's found someone mentioning happiness. Yeah. And it'll find blogs and tweets or whatever. And then that's it and you can print another one and it's completely random. And, and that's the magic anonymous. sauce. Yeah. Now, and it, it sort of, people really love it. I put it on the internet and people really loved it. And it got blogs a lot. Mm. I think one of the core things is not just the message, but it's the fact, the form factor. Mm. It's the fact, if that was an A4 sheet of paper, I've just made a fax machine and no one, yeah. no one would connect to that. But the fact that it's like tiny and mm. you, the form factor, you know, you hold it in your ha- palm of your hand, it makes a difference to yeah. know, those ergonomics. It's real. Yeah, it's real. It's, it's cuter though. It's smaller. It's more intimate. Yeah. Where an A4 sheet of paper is not intimate. Yeah. So there was that. And yeah, then, you know, and it was out there for a few years and then Airbnb get in touch and it's... Uh, they took it know, to America. And they, they took it to America and we, we ended up doing a much bigger system that so people could share stories on 12 machines wow. uh, for the Sundance Film Festival. So why do you think it feels a little bit better? Like you, you touched about on the the music player yeah we had um the analog and the yeah. digital worlds coming yeah. together why do you think that feels so special and what has been lost 
in the last, say, 15, 20 years in the, in the digital revolution? I think part of the reason is with, when you're browsing digital stuff, it doesn't feel... I don't know if it feels significant. Hmm. When you're looking through an album collection, yeah. you, there's something happens when you touch something and you see a big image or you're making a more considered uh, choice, maybe. Yeah. But also... Th- I think, well, obviously, we're analog beings. And, mm. I, you know, I described, like, putting the, the needle on the record and that, that point between the music and the static, you know, is, is important. Is that magic? Yeah, that moment that magic of anticipation? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, whoa. And, I, and we kind of lose that with the immediacy of digital. That said, I'm not... I really don't want to paint a rose-tinted spectacle view of the past. My favourite quote about the past is... James Murphy, LCD sound system in in um, Losing My Edge, he says, fake nostalgia for the unremembered 80s. Yeah. You know, it's like people romanticise the past. Oh, mixtapes were great, weren't they? And they kind of were nice, but they also chewed your music up and... Absolutely. You know, so there's a lot to love about digital. And I probably listen to more digital music than my vinyl, to be honest, yeah. because... But with my music player, I can... It, and also it's the fact that I'm not having to bring up an interface mm. to then browse what I want to put on. I just grab this thing and poof, and it's, there's a niceness to go, you know, I'm not, the interface is almost disappears. And, and I think that's, you know, it gets out the way, but I'm still being able to do what I want to do. So I do use it every single day. Uh, I just need to put more albums on it because I keep, just, I keep playing the same albums really. But yeah. Yeah. So like for anyone listening, it was a, um, a Bang & Olufsen speaker system yeah and you had connected up some kodak what, what were not kodak were they yeah called? they were like um yeah 35 mil slides yeah and they have nfc stickers on the back which are dirt cheap yeah and they nicely fit so you can't really on see the them and they, they become mini albums effectively yeah and you just drop it in and it detects i've got a database that says right this nfc sticker is this album on yeah. spotify and then you can use this system called Mopedy, which is an open source thing that sits on a Raspberry Pi. Nice. And it tells that to play that album, and that Raspberry Pi is connected to the stereo. Yeah, okay. And, it, and that's it. Yeah, and it was, it was absolutely yeah. beautiful. Like, I, know, I know I was sitting beside Jerry McGovern and the two of us were looking yeah. at each other going, I want that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone says that. I think I've actually sold physical things before hardware. I've done, a, I've, done a I've done a Kickstarter. And it was kind of, it was super successful. It was, we got funded in 48 hours and it was a, a button for your iPhone. It was like right. the first one that ever did that. But there's a, well, there's a whole other podcast just in that, st- <laughs> that the story of that. But So I had a business making that yeah. and eventually I had to shut it because you realize that even though the product is successful and it was being written about in Silicon Valley and mm. you know, it was amazing... If you do not have money for marketing, your product yeah, is dead in the water. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, look at how much money Apple spend yeah. on, on you, marketing. You, you, you know, are competing with that. And, you know, you're, they've got the biggest brand awareness of anyone, and yet their ads are everywhere. Yeah. So you, you realize how important it is. So all my money went on the product. I had no money left. 
you know so I think I, I made it run for six months yeah um, but it's, but then you've also got the other things that go into hardware it's like the support system mm. electronics break yeah so you only got a support mechanism you got a return system yeah the levels of complexity which is why I made it open source go if you want to make it <laughs> here it is you know yeah. and I guess if you were to include all that service model into the yeah. original price you get out of paying a couple of thousand well this is it it's you know, it's, you know it, it's not cheap to make you know relatively yeah. but then like you say you to do it properly, the onboarding of where do they store their albums, how do they add albums, you know, all this kind of stuff. Mm. Integrating with Spotify you know, and Google yeah. Play. and As you know, yeah, the one, can it go with Sonos or not, you know. Yeah. Do, 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 do. So as you know, it's, that's what service design is. You think about yeah. all this stuff and it's, it goes beyond. It gets very complicated very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to say people have built it and I had a lovely email and he used that. He said, what a magical experience yeah you know? it's a beautiful piece yeah, of design so it's so yeah cheers and the industrial designer really loved doing that um originally it was because if you look the angle of the chamfer is the same angle as how you put the album in yeah i did you know, see that yeah and so it's all that you know i'm, I'm, I'm learning all this stuff as i do it you know so but that's what's beautiful we all yeah, are yeah yeah exactly you know, yeah in and the it, industry there's a lot of people yeah. just kind of like they fake it and they yeah. don't tell anyone no but i can tell you now everyone is you know faking and they're learning the job before that and it was squarer and i thought no it should actually it needs to be at the same yeah. angle you know yeah so it i think that's why i make those things is i learn from them so when a client comes to me i can say yeah, yeah well I know to make these boxes now or whatever. Absolutely. Mm. I could speak to you for hours and hours. We haven't even spoken about the data and like, you know, the way you work is, is fantastic. And it was really refreshing. I'm not just saying that because you're here to hear a a different way of working as opposed to sticking to the same frameworks of, you know, ideation and Yeah. Well, you know what? It's the only way I know (laughs) though. You know, it's, um, and yeah, you know, I've worked, you know, I've had an agency and we've, worked in teams and stuff like that and I've been a creative director and and yeah I, you know we've just seen a, a great talk about mm. process really deep but I was watching it and thinking that is not me yeah you know I can't do that yeah so I think you have to be happy in your skin it, another E. Cummings quote we read yesterday was he talks about nobody but yourself and he talks about when you use words that other people use you failed as a poet and he, he was saying that if after several years you've only written one line, you have succeeded. Because he, yeah. he was saying that it is so hard to, to, be yourself. to be yourself and not copy other people. You know? Yeah, and that comes through in all, all of your work. Oh, well, well thanks, that's good. <laughs> you know. Absolutely, you know, I'm not just saying that. It was, it was uh, really refreshing today. And um, we'll put a lot of links in the show notes to, to direct people to these because they're, they're very visual and they're experiential yeah. um, you know, to be viewed. Now, I mentioned before, as we wrap up every podcast, we have three questions. And um, what's the one professional skill that Brendan does wishes he was better at? You know what? I think graphic design. Right. Because I sometimes wish that I'd gone to university and really learned the craft of graphic design. Yeah. And of the masters. the, the old Yeah, from really deep level. Yeah. Like I feel sometimes I, I lack the that kind of depth and sometimes you know my naivety can lead to you know different Absolutely. ways of doing things but then I think oh god I wish I had the foundation of X you know or whatever but I don't know yeah 
there's pros and cons to it. I remember years ago I used to play music, right? And I remember saying to somebody, I said, oh, "I wish I was able to like write music, yeah, or I, I wish I was be able to do all these kind yeah. of different things." And they're like, "Well, the moment you learn how to write the music, yeah, you lose what you're good at." And um, we were talking about specialism and generalism yeah. earlier, like so. I'm sure there's a lot of graphic designers that wish they were they were more uh, able to think like you. Probably, yeah, you yeah, I, yeah. I think, it, yeah, it's always you know, it's the grass is greener thing, isn't it? You yeah, know? absolutely. So the second question is, what is the one thing that you wish you were able to banish from the industry, and why? I would love people. Well, obviously being snarky, but I, you know what? I think cynicism is not too bad a thing. Yeah, um, good. But I think, yeah, and yeah, I am quite a cynical person. I think ripping people off you know uh, to me inspiration is where you you see something you go wow that is amazing but then you let it get fuzzy in your head so yeah. the memory of that thing is dirty and fuzzy and noisy and then you attach your things to that memory mm. that's inspiration to me yeah. without that it's copying we're just replicating yeah. things and looking at other people's work all the time i, yeah. d- I think god just Within my industry, like if that industry is digital, people are obsessed with like referencing other people's work when they're briefing you. Yeah. You know, for, that is similar. So they'll reference digital things. I thought, well, why aren't you referencing you know, nature or a piece of architecture, even though this is going to be a digital yeah. thing? Or, so I'd want people to, you know what? I, I think it's quite simple. Increase the bandwidth of what inspires them. Yeah, nice uh, answer to the question. And final question, Brendan, is what advice would you give to emerging design talent for the future? Don't worry about what other people think of you. Yeah. I think, you know, put those fears aside. Do not think you know everything because the older I get, the more I realize, the less I know. Mm. And so always be open and, be, you know, be curious but yeah, I think it's that thing of like, you know what? Just put your work out there. Yeah. Because you do not know where it will lead. I've, you know, you document the, the everything. Happen, yeah, document everything. And but the, like the happiness machine is a great example of that. I didn't know I'd go end up, you know, for several days at the Sundance Film Festival <laughs> working for Airbnb. <laughs> Crazy to experience. Make it, to make this just this stupid thing I'd made. Yeah. If I could have just kept that and go, well, it's not finished, so I'll just won't tell anyone. Yeah. And. I put it out there and people Loved people it. look past the flaws and they go, I love what it's doing. Yeah, the sentiment you know? was, yeah, was so really rich. I would just encourage everyone to put their work out there. Yeah, excellent. Brendan Dawes, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you'd like to be part of the conversation or community, hop on over to thisishcd.com where you can request to join the Slack channel and help shape future episodes and connect with other designers around the world. Thanks for listening and see you next time.